Well, it's been a weekend of hat-tricks in the Premier League. A hat-trick of hat-tricks. Welcome to the Night Shift Football Podcast, episode 124. We're talking Son Heung-min, Erling Holland, Evan Ferguson. We're talking Chelsea at home to Forest. We're talking Arsenal at home to United. And we're talking Syria. All right, welcome back to another week on Australia's longest-running football podcast. Once again, joined by Tommy. Hello. Hello, probably. Probably. Uh, joined by Cooper as well. Hello. Hello. Uh, Cooper's in a bit of a rush tonight. He wants to go watch basketball. He doesn't want to do our pod with us. He's a betrayer. <laughs> a do betrayer, any... that's the word you went a with. Betrayer. <laughs> a, be- a traitor. A, a Judas. Um, <laughs> we'll start with fantasy football tonight, I think. Um Tommy, you're in charge of our team. How are we going? Oh, now it's my fault, is it? Well, I, love that I, I left it to you. Yeah, that's a good point. You've thrown to me the week that we've gone backwards, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, it's a good side. It's a handy side. I mean, we handy. got, what, 74 points this week, which is yep. about average. Uh, yep. But I feel like most to everybody would have got 60-plus points if you had Harland in your team and, like, yeah. one other scorer. It was a weekend of, uh, I said in the intro, it was a, a hat-trick of hat-tricks this week with uh, Son, Holland, Ferguson. It was all happening. And pretty much everyone has Holland in their team. And as captain too, you got to. Uh, this Have week, to. The, lead, lead, the league leader, uh, Jared Presbury, Wooden Spooners, leads the way. Um, That's all right. 259, one point ahead of Liam Edwards. Um, shout out to the most points this week was a a 96 to friend of the show, Shane Robinson, whose team is called Allison Touched Matip. Mm. And Matip, I imagine, is the, like a pun. It's a dick joke, isn't it? It's low bait. It's I don't a good like old, it. You don't like it. Cooper, do you like it? No, it's a bit average. Okay, well, <laughs> I think Shane's quite proud of his, his dick pun name. but um, Of his tip? I imagine he is. Uh, he's proud of his tip. Just Shane, on the... you're proud of your tip. Good on you. On the fantasy front, I just wanted to to make note of um, you just said everyone had Harland and almost everyone had Harland captain, so got forty points. <laughs> except my mate Dylan Evans, who got sixteen points for Darwin Nunez again. Yes, well, you you're gonna have to start leaving Dylan alone. I think <laughs> he's gonna press charges soon if you keep up this online harassment. It's um, I'm my brain's not working tonight. What's the word? Defamation. Defamation. <laughs> I'm struggling. I'm really struggling. All I can't right. believe you're still worried about defamation on this podcast. I know. We've said some horrendous things. Yeah, well, you called uh, a certain footballer who plays in Spain now uh, the R word last mm. week. Yeah, allegedly. I, I had to throw in allegedly, um, and that will hopefully keep us out of jail. But no one listens to this anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, we'll get that's, an, that. that's if, until we get to Anthony, Sam. If you are listening, uh, whether you're loyal or new, Get on Spotify, get on Apple, give us a rating uh, and share it as well. Share it on the socials. Spread spread the love, help us grow. Let's get into some, fo- some football games. Um, the first game of the round, Luton host West Ham. I guess nothing really to note of this game. West Ham continued on their winning ways, Luton continuing their losing ways. But Tommy, was it not cool to see football played at, at Kenilworth Road for the first time yeah, in the Premier of League? Of course. How can you be upset by the fact that, you know, in a club that was non-league, what, 14 years ago, build their way back up through the football pyramid, 
Um, I'd like a, a, I think it's a majority fan-owned club as well. Um, after, I, do you know the history of Luton? Did you know they did like I know stuff uh, all about Newton, man? Luton. <laughs> there you go. Don't even know their name. Don't even know their name. <laughs> they held like a contest that was like, uh, vote, vote, vote for the next manager, and whoever got the most votes became the next manager. Uh, right. that, like that's that's basket case stuff. And so yeah, of course it's cool. I just I think it's a little bit bullshit that they did have to redevelop their stand, like not to comply with any kind of uh, like uh, seat restrictions or whatever. Yeah. But so that they had a corporate area for the big wigs to visit and sit in. Essentially, yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Um, it's very Premier League, isn't it? You know, we I don't know if we'll get into it this week, but there's been a lot of carry on this week, more broadly about all the money in Saudi Arabia and things and. You know, the Premier League started all of this. The Premier League was literally designed and re- they renamed the first division the Premier League to put it on a different pedestal, to corporatize it, to, to make it this big capitalist machine. Um, and then people want to complain about Saudi money. I've gone a little off track there, but it's all related. Um, and it's all related. It's, it's come back here again to, yeah, loot and have to fix up their ground, like you said, to fit in the bigwigs. Outside of that, um, I thought the football across every game, we're not going to do every game. I thought it was really good this weekend in the Prem. Mm. And I'm, ho- I'm fingers crossed that maybe we've hit a season where there's like an equilibrium across the different barriers between the teams. And yeah, you might just get like a really good football season. And with all the shit that goes on outside of it, we love to talk about it. But it'd just be nice to focus on that for a little yeah. bit. Um, it's a shame really that we're heading into an international weekend because... It really is, I always yeah. feel like this happens. What we've played four games, and um, you know, you just kind of just start getting into it, and you get a bit more of a sense of where your team's at with after four games, um, and then they go off and take a break. It's a bit annoying, and it was an excellent weekend. I think we mentioned last week was also a really good weekend of Premier League football. And loyal listeners will know I'm not always the biggest Premier League fan. I'm a big Serie A guy, but. Um, this week's football was excellent as well. And like you said, we are going to talk about a lot more games. Unfortunately, if you're a fan of Sheffield United, Everton, Brentford, or Bournemouth, we will not talk about you. But all four of you scored two goals. It doesn't matter who played who. You all scored two goals. You all got a point each. It doesn't matter. We've got bigger things to talk about because we're moving on to Tottenham Hotspur away to Burnley. 5-2, Son Heung-min with a hat-trick. and ball kicking off over in Burnley there. Can I just start? This is why Ange Postacoglu is a Premier League manager and, and we're not, because last week we discussed how Tottenham needed that fast, quick-paced, passing, finishing number nine that they didn't have in comparison to someone to hold the ball up. And and we went all around Europe in our minds trying to think of a striker that they could sign, and he was just right there already, right in front of us. Yeah. With the captain's armband just playing a little <laughs> bit wider on this pitch. <laughs> yeah. Son turning it on. Oh, yeah, nice. ridiculous. He, he, he was brilliant, hey. So good to watch when he's in full flight. Yeah, he just he's such a lethal finisher. And I think I like him central because of that. He just seems to put everything away that comes his way. Um, Tottenham have looked pretty assured at the back so far this season, which is not something I'm overly used to saying. Mickey Van der Ven seems like a great signing. Um Seems, mm-hmm. you know, a bit bit taller, a bit quicker, potentially something they needed next to Christian Romero. Um, and James Madison just continues to be James Madison. What a signing he looks like he's going to be. Yeah. Is he a bargain? <laughs> Don't ask. 
That's for you to decide, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I love that Burnley scored the first and last goal in this game and still got beaten by three. Like that's yeah. it, that takes a it's a pretty good effort to be able to bookend a game and still get smashed. It was a really, really high scoring week of Premier League football. Um I noted that every single game went over two point five goals except Chelsea Nottingham Forest because of all even <laughs> besides all their billions of pounds worth of attackers, Chelsea still uh, we'll get to there. not we'll get score there. a goal. We'll get there. Um Spurs five goals here, ticking along all right. Where do we, is anyone happy to make some bold statements about them yet? Or are we still just, I think we had them in a bit of a watch and see pile. Um, are we happy to make any further calls on them right now? They play in Europe next season. They play not, in Champions which, which League next season? Gonna, yeah, not going to, but one of the top two tiers, I reckon. I think they're probably a top six Premier League. Well, that's so. bold of you to take. So um, one of the top yeah, I'm not going to go, not going to go top six. Well, is it because are they really? We've discussed this so many times. Are they really a top? It's six not bold. Club that's anymore? what I'm saying. Are they are they considered a top six club anymore though? No, I think they consider themselves probably part of the big six. Yeah. I think they're the only ones that do consider themselves part of that. that well, who group. else is it? Um, well, I don't know. They're going to have some real it's, competition it's not with, Newcastle, with Brighton, and Newcastle this season. It's well, we not Newcastle. We thought them. they would, didn't we? I, I mean, you're right. Look at them, but we thought they did. Yeah, okay. Um I'll take your I'll take your word for it. Uh we'll we'll wait and see. Um Cooper's putting it in the books that Tottenham play European football next year. I think I feel like it's paying a dollar ten, but um, I think if you asked me before the start of the season if Spurs were gonna finish inside the top six this season, I would have said no. Mm, and and now I th- now I think I'm on the yes page. They okay. are top they're top four. Wow, Tommy's making a bigger call. I love this. Yeah. This is what I was they're definitely for. top I was poking four. the bear a bit. Top four. Yeah. All right. Oh, 100%. 100%. We've locked it in. All right. I'm not making any bold statements. I'm leaving them in the watch and see pile. I'm just, uh, I'm finding it tough as an Arsenal fan to enjoy it because uh, being that it is Spurs, but love what Andy's doing. I do love watching James Madison play. He's brilliant. And Son, as much as I don't like the guy, he's a, he's a cracker to watch too. Um, moving it wait, on. What, wait, what do you not like about him? He's a sook. He's a sook. And he's one of those... He does really dirty tackles a lot and then acts like he's like the victim and it does my head in. Like he's done it a few times when they broke that guy's, whose leg did he break from Palace? Oh, he didn't mean that. Uh, Yeah, sure. He'll have you believe. Why does he always tackle like that? Anyway, moving on. He looks like like the guy that would walk past a homeless man and buy him a sandwich. No, he would not. And I'm moving on. I've had enough of it. Chelsea, nil. Nottingham Forest won at the bridge. We kind of have left Chelsea alone so far. And we thought that last week they might've got their season back on track and it was all going to turn around. And then they absolutely dominate this game, but they can't score. They end up losing. Um, so surely we get to sink the boot in a little, don't we? Yeah, for we sure. Do. What I, we do, yes. What did I say last week about Chelsea might've turned their season around two easy games leading into a test against Villa and they've gone and lost to Forest at home. Mm. I just... Did you it's... watch this one? Uh, parts of, part of the goal rush. So I saw little bits of it flicking back and forth. Um, they're still, it's just their attack. I just don't know how good they are. And I, it's, I'm not jumping, not going to jump on the let's bash Kaiseido train because he deserves time um, and deserves time to gel in this team. But, you know, he hasn't been fantastic. 
Um, Lavia, the other big midfield signing late in the window, has been sat in the box next to Todd Bowley for the last three weeks with his football boots firmly packed away in a closet somewhere. Apparently. That's his job, right? Um, yeah, it seems that way. Um, 60 mil to sit sit up with canapes and a glass of wine and watch some football. Um, I just and Enzo further forward this week. I don't know if that's going to be what they try and do because it seemed like Caicedo and Gallagher potentially playing in the position that eventually they'll deploy Lavia in and then Enzo further forward. But I don't know. I liked Enzo sitting. I felt like Enzo controlled games for them when he was sitting deeper and then with him further forward in this game, um, Alanger and, and Nottingham Forest more central fast forward. They just destroyed Caicedo and Gallagher. There was just no composure on the ball at all from Chelsea deeper. Mm. And that's what they're going to lose if they move Enzo forward. Yeah. It's Potch throwing shit against the wall and trying to see what exactly sticks. Cause like you look at, you look at any lineup that they posted before the game, it looked like three at the back. And then you've got Thiago Silva on social media saying, now nah, we play four at the back. And then you look at the lineup and you think, which is the one that is moving into <laughs> midfield to release Gallagher and Enzo? Is it Gusto? It can't be. Is it Desat? No, it's not Thiago Silva. They're a shambles. I'm not. I can't believe that they've got um, Brighton's third choice keeper as their number one. Like, this is so weird. This is a direct result of what we said last year about Todd Bowley coming in and treating professional football like it's football manager. And just signing whatever players you can get your hands on. And now basically just gifting them to a manager and saying, here you go, do something with this. Mm-hmm. And now Mauricio Pochettino, like it was always going to be a dangerous job for whoever took it because of that situation. There's no targeted recruitment, it seems. It's just, let's get him. Let's get this player. Let's get this player. Get him in. The more the merrier. Um, and now we have to see how it's going to work. And it's not going to work if we're going to be throwing... Enzo Fernandez, who was probably fair to say was a bit of a revelation at the World Cup, sitting as a holding midfielder, and all of a sudden he's deployed in as one of the attacking three with Sterling and Nicholas Jackson. Um, it baffles me completely. And I don't know, is is Pochettino already getting his head in a bit of a mess? I don't know. Oh, overthinking it a little bit. It's just it's so classic that you know, on deadline day, it looked like they were going to ship Gallagher out and he's been one of Poch's mainstays so far. So like you said, there's no, there's no recruit, there's no structured recruitment whatsoever. Yeah, And we're seeing, and we've seen it in a couple of other clubs as well, that it's just, that's not, it's not going to fly. It's not going to work anymore. uh, Go on. Just, I wanted to ask uh, Cole Palmer, 45 million last day of the transfer window from Man City. Is he not, the equivalent of someone they could have just pulled out of their academy. Yeah. hundred you know, percent. Has to be. Like just on back on loan, man. 45 million on an English guy playing for Man City that they didn't need, didn't yeah. warrant having, and, and could have just found a kid for free on their doorstep that was better. I look at through I look through the team. I know they've they've got a lot of players out at the moment with injuries. They do. Yeah. Some big ones. Malang Saar. Uh, Wesley Fofana in Kunku is one I was so excited to watch. That's the this big year. one. He's out. He's a big one that's out. You'd assume he'd start in that um, the role that Fernandez was in on the weekend. Um, but yeah. even still, <laughs> the bench is mostly names I don't know, except for Cole Palmer, Cucurella, and our boy Dudrick, who it seems uh, Michaelo Mudrick has spent all this money on this guy. Now he's coming off the bench playing. 13 minutes and not influencing the game at all. This has been a bit of a disaster signing. I don't want to go too soon because you feel like 
it's always risky with young players. You know, they could have their breakout season. You just never know. Um, but, geez, it's not shaping up good for them right now. I don't want to completely dismiss uh, Forrest there, but, um, you know, they got the win. They got the 1-0, but it really shouldn't have been. Uh, it was complete and utter annihilation, really. Yeah. 73% of the ball. Um, they're just not clinical enough in that front third, Chelsea. Yep. Just- Nicholas Jackson has the third highest XG of any striker in the game or any player yeah. uh, in the Premier League, I mean. He's, I think he's one you persist with. I think it's, I mean, I'm not sure how much choice they have, but I think it's, this is pretty stereotypical of me, but I think it's coming for him. He's one of those guys that he gets himself in such good positions and Jackson creates, Jackson, Jackson, Jackson. Yep. Create, creates so much for them by the attacking runs that he makes and the and the pace he brings to stretch defences that you have to just keep him in there and eventually, you know, he'll, he'll start scoring goals, but he does still create goals. Um, I just wanted to note on Taiwo Awani from Nottingham Forest, four score involvements in four games now. Mm. Um, really good start. Seems Handful. you know, yeah, really exciting attacker. They have a nice little, you know, combination of of young attackers. I'm not sure how far it's going to get them, but it's probably enough to keep them up with Morgan Gibbs White and and Alanga in there as well now. Yeah, physical, powerful uh, presence up in that front third. He can, he's got the pace, and he can also just body defenders and bully them off the ball. Uh, we'll move it on. Man City beat Fulham 5-1. I guess the only real reason we're bringing it up again um, is because the freak Holland has scored another hat-trick, this time with an assist as well. Uh, one of them was from the spot, but he tucked it away. Um, mm, freakish. And just when you thought Fulham might be able to push them a bit after getting that equaliser shortly after the first goal, uh, a goal right on half time for RK really hurt. Some controversy about an offside. I don't know what you two think of that one. Uh, and then Haaland came to life in the second half and turned it on. Mm, five shots on target, five goals. That's about as clinical as you can get. Uh, City are just the most well-oiled unit. Um, they remind me of the old Bayern Munich from maybe a decade ago. Yeah, okay. Um, Barcelona a little bit be- Barcelona a little bit before that. But just sides that go out every week and do it and the big players stand up and do it. And like the consistency of Haaland is um something we haven't seen in ages because we used to we used to live through that iconic era of like Premier League strikers. Yeah. Um Henri's, Rooney's, Shearer if you go back a little bit behind. They weren't doing things like this. N- no. No. None of them really were. Um I thought it was an interesting stat. It's a little bit off topic, but Son scored, his scored his like 119th goal in the Prem and that's more than Ronaldo. Yep. And so like when you think of the iconic, you know, goal scorers in the Prem of recent time, they didn't actually score heaps and heaps and heaps of goals. Harry Kane aside, maybe. And so if what Haaland's doing at the moment is, um, if he can maintain it for 10 years, you, you know, you're seeing an all-time best goal scorer for sure. Uh, the offside thing is funny. I, lo- I love um, when you've got opposition players coming out in the post-match press conference and saying uh, that, it, like admitting that the goal was awarded because of a referee mistake. Like you, you got serious problems. Mm. Are we we're happy with those to be called off? It wasn't, but you think it should have been given offside? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think yeah. it's the same as potentially. There was a lot. The Sobislai goal that we'll get to in the Liverpool game was it wasn't as bad as this, wasn't as obvious as this. But it's the discussion we had the other week that when a player takes a shot 
it doesn't necessarily matter if the player in an offside position is directly blocking the goalkeeper's line of sight to this ball, because if at some point the goalkeeper has to dive behind this attacker, they're going to lose sight of the ball for some period of time while they're behind this player. So I just think, I don't, I don't know whether you just blanket have to get rid of all of these and it just becomes, that's just what it is, unfortunately. Um, mm. But yeah, I don't know how you pick and choose between the lot. I'm with I'm with that. I just I think now if you're in an offside position that is in a certain radius of the goalkeeper, because we can do that now, we can like mark it out four yards, five yards, whatever you want to make it. Um, yeah, that should just be a chalked off goal. Yep, lovely. Uh, we'll move it on. Um, Brighton, Newcastle. Boy, oh boy. Newcastle, uh, who <laughs> started off pretty good. They've now lost two in a row. They've lost to Liverpool, they've lost away to Brighton now. Um Evan Ferguson, the 18-year-old Irish striker with a hat trick, uh, albeit with a little bit of luck on his side, but you can't fault the the positioning, the the areas he gets into to get on the ball and drive it forward. Um, I heard one of the com- the commentary, I think it came from uh, the manager De Zerbi, that he is plays like a ten in the build-up, but can play like a nine in the final third, and that pretty well pretty well encapsulated it. Um, big win, very disappointing for Newcastle. It's just a new superstar. I mean, we saw it last season. It's been alluded to. He's announced himself now. This is a big game to do it in against tough opposition, Champions League opposition. Uh, brilliant. Ferguson looks so good. And I don't know. Do you, is he, he England's number nine? He had a he had an equally good game last week, I think. He just didn't mm-hmm. get that little bit of luck going his way. Yeah, without goals and the keeper making some brilliant saves. Um, but this week it all worked for him and went well. Um, I don't want to hear any of this England chat. Come on, where have you got that? Well, was he playing for Ireland? In he has a knee injury. Ball? Okay, he has a After knee scoring trick. He was met, he should have come off, but he's picked up a knee injury and he won't be available for Ireland's qualifiers. That's all we're going to mm. say on it because I'm t- I'm nervous. I just I think uh, it's. I think it's it's kind of gross, like how quick the English media and podcasters have been to jump on him and say, "Yep, we're taking him," or even just joking about it, because like this Irish side with Ferguson, Grealish, Declan Rice, like that qualify for a World Cup for sure. Yeah, they literally have an England striker who is playing up front for Bayern Munich. Like, come on, Cooper, what do you got? Um, I'm, I'm for starters, I'm feeling some serious vindication in my rant from. From you said this last about, week. I mean, get out of this. It's going to keep team wandering back. You're going to say it every week? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I just wanted to, I noted, I think I mentioned this pre-pod to Sam, but uh, for Tom, this is the um, Evan Ferguson's hat-trick on the weekend. There's only been six hat-tricks, sorry, five hat-tricks prior in Premier League history scored by a player that was younger than Ferguson was at the time on the weekend. And three of those five belong to Michael Owen. Wow. Mm. Holy shit, there you go. Say the stat again. Uh, so there's only been five hat-tricks scored in Premier League history by a player that was younger at the time than Evan Ferguson was on the weekend when he scored his, and three of the five belonged to Michael Owen. Right. Who are yeah. the other two? Uh, well, so there is one for... Well, one I oh, mentioned yeah. to you. Yeah, one's Robbie Fowler, isn't it? Yeah, the other you the other yeah. you won't get. The the other was the um player that I mentioned passed away about a month ago to just before the pod, Sam. Uh, oh, the Chris, Forest player. Yeah, Chris Bart Williams. Chris Bart Williams, who I, I definitely ah. would have got that. I would have got that. I knew. Oh, that. you should have yeah, opened it believe. up. 
I can't believe you've given a spoiler. Oh, I would have got that and it looked like a hero in this pod. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> didn't didn't Anelka score a hat trick at 18 as well? Uh 19. Oh, 19. Okay. Yeah, baby. All right. The incredible sulk. Um, yeah. <laughs> Where to here for Newcastle at the moment? What's going on? They're just not good. Who who, who cares? It's yeah, fucking I'm, great. I'm in that Fuck them. I just want to Tonali do well. Last season, we often talked about, I think I said it too at the halfway mark, that I didn't think Newcastle could continue this ridiculous bane of keeping all these clean sheets and not scoring that many goals because I didn't think that looking at their back four on paper, it was that good. And are we just, is it just not? Are we just finally seeing that? Make it a make it a back five. The individual errors from Pope are just, they fucking killed a man. <laughs> Mm. They miss yeah. they miss Sven Botman. That's I think that's a fair a fair point to make. Um, I I roasted last week Matt Target coming off the bench and didn't think he was Newcastle quality with the way they were trying to go and they've shifted Dan Byrne to centre back. I think someone said his last twenty nine starts in the Premier League were at left back before this and he's come across mm. to centre back and Target's come in. So the structure's all gone and they've missed Botman. Um, I'm not sure it's three one loss to Brighton territory though. That's they. Uh, I think we discussed their depth last week and I think. Definitely their their backline, once you take Botman out, it's essentially just Trippier. The rest are all very Newcastle of the last decade footballers, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, makes Palace, sense. Palace beat Wolves 3-2. I don't know if either of you two caught this one or have any quick comments, but Odson Edward got a double. It was uh, three, of, three of the five goals in this game coming after the 78th minute. All five goals coming in the second half. Um I don't really know what to make of either of these two teams right now. Is it just too pretty average, going to be in and amongst the relegation or just above it teams? Mm, Palace are kind of humming though, aren't they? I mean, they mm. weren't terrible against Arsenal. Um, and, you know, point against Brentford and this win uh, on top of the opening day win. They are seventh. Like, they are seventh. They've played this easier opposition, I think. They have played the lower strung of teams, uh, yeah. Arsenal side, but... They're humming. I mean, we I fucking wrote off Roy Hodgson so fast when he came in. I thought that was a relegation design. And he's actually like gone true to the stereotype. He's been the old head to come in, get the players going, get the fans going, and it's working. So all, all power to them, I suppose. Rob Holding's a good signing if you want to talk about window stuff. Good signing, yep. Um, valuable footballer, just... Um... Arsenal just couldn't afford to really. He's not the defender that you need if you're going to try and win a league. Uh, mm-hmm. But he could definitely do a job for another side. So um, good pick up. Um, Aston, uh, Aston Villa travelled to Anfield, lost 3-0 and got a bit battered there. And I have to say, I feel 3-0 was a little harsh on Villa. I thought they created their own fair share of chances. Um, some like some decent opportunities and we were a little bit wasteful. Obviously Liverpool, the superior side with the ball. Um, they scored early through Shobosly and uh, Cooper. Do you want to run us through it without doing a, uh, a ball by ball commentary? <laughs> um, yeah. Shobosly, great goal. Great signing. We've said Nunes was another, another good game for him. Another good watch. Got an assist was instrumental in the cash goal. Um, needs to finish those. <laughs> needs to finish those chances himself, though. Um, I think that was the the question yep. mark over Darwin's head last season was there's a couple moments in this game we saw it again that, you know, if this ball doesn't ref- deflect off cash, people are asking the question again, saying he's got a score there rather than he's causing this goal. He yeah. needs a few more one-on-ones with Bielsa, I think. 
<laughs> yeah, you reckon the the it's the it's the Leeds effect, Tom reckons, on Darwin. Um, but nah, I think you're spot on. Liverpool probably should have and could have scored more goals in this game and Villa probably should have had one or two of their own. It's just gonna be that same story for Liverpool all season. They're gonna they're gonna score a lot and they're gonna concede a lot. And it just will be interesting to see where that gets them. Yeah, are you underplaying yeah, I was, oh sorry, do you have a go question on. for me? No, go on. You can go on. Um are you underplaying Joe Gomez effect? People were pretty pleased with his performance. Yeah, I thought he was pretty good. I thought Joe, Joe Gomez was really good. Um, I just you need consistent performances out of him, and he's regardless of how well he's playing, he's still the fourth choice centre back at this club. And when Van Dijk and Canate come back, they're going to come back into this team, so he's not going to get an opportunity to play consistent football. So he's just one of those that's caught in the middle at the moment. Yeah, we'll be partnering uh, Rob Holding at Palace next season. Palace can only hope. Tommy, I was going to ask, um, four games in for Villa now, um, an iffy result to start with and now an iffy result to end. Do you think a 3-0 away at Anfield, do you think they'd be at all disheartened by that? or Maybe not disheartened. Uh, like, it looks bad on paper. It looks worse than it is, I think, is what I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because if Villa want to contest for Europe again this season, they've got to be competing in these games. They've got to be trying at the very least, to get a point out of it. Yep. Or maybe at the very most, uh, uh, however you want to view it. But, to yeah, 3-0 looks like a drubbing. I just, I thought I thought the tactics were weird in this. They mm. were, they didn't really press Trent on the ball. Um, he's on about halfway or just inside his own half. Yeah, with a lot and of they, time. With a lot of time, but they still played like a defensive line that was high enough for him to just lob balls in behind. And we saw yeah. it with one of the goals. Uh, that was the own goal. He was there. asking for trouble. Yeah, it's that's it's a really weird way to go out and you know try and win a football match or get a point out of this away at Anfield. So I'm not sure what that was about. I wouldn't be too disheartened. They've got good players. Like the way that you know Douglas Louise and um, uh, Camera can just you know string the ball around from deep midfield or advanced midfield. They're definitely going to get chances this season to put away worse sides in Liverpool. Quick, yeah. Um... Quick Villa-related question for you, Sammy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably going to hate this because you probably like him as a player. And, and I understand his value as a player and a leader, but are we really at a point where John McGinn is keeping Yuri Tillemans out of a Premier League midfield? Ooh, good question. Oh, mate, uh, John McGinn's a good player. He's a very good player. I think you need some experience in there with them as well at the moment. But um, I think there's there's room for rotation with the players they've got in there. Tillemans is probably the one you'd want to start, but I don't think it's a knock against McGinn. Mm, how like can he play on like a wide left midfield role, Tillemans? Uh, did he do that for Leicester? I can't remember. No, he was very central. Um, and so if you you go McGinn away to has Anfield, done it before. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, and if it's, you go away to the, Anfield, you want the, Lewis and Camera. It's the sort of setup as well where you're um you're more, I guess. Conceding possession, those wide players are tucked in a lot more. And then it's Matty Cash who has the license to get up and down with a bit more freedom. John McGinn then becomes more central with Lewis and Kamara. But yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Interesting. So Tillemans could do it, is what you're getting at. I guess so. I don't know. I just, I don't like seeing Villa play the way they did on the weekend. I thought, like you said, it was a bit strange the way they went out there. One that flew under the radar for me, this guy, I was a big fan of. This player a couple of years ago, and he's had some serious injuries since. But uh, Cooper will know a little bit about him. Uh, Nicola Zaniolo from Roma. 
who, for whatever reason, found himself on the outskirts at Roma, ended up being sold to Galatasaray and since, after playing just 10 games, has been loaned to Aston Villa. Um, I'm not sure when he arrived at Villa, if, he, if he's been part of their games yet this year, um, but he came off the bench on the weekend. I just... It completely flew under the radar with me. I was surprised to see he was playing at this level because I shouldn't say at this level. Uh, they put together a pretty good squad, Villa, but you know he looked like he was set to be one of the like a player that would be starting every week for a top four club in a big five league. Yeah, he um he seemed to virtually force his his way out of Roma. It was I don't know, it was a weird situation because he he seemed like a, a like you said a really required player. It's backfired. And- he just, yeah, he wanted to go for whatever reason. And I'm not sure that the calibre of clubs that he thought were going to come in for him came in for him. And eventually at the last minute on a deadline day, he chased a Leicester move because it was the best thing on the table for him. It fell through and he ended up at Galatasaray. And now he's on loan from Galatasaray to Aston Villa. Yeah. yeah, he is. He, he also, he played in like a Champions League game for Galatasaray this season already, I think as well. So... Um, he's now like tied to that and is ineligible, I think. I don't know if that gets cleared once the group stage starts or not. But um, yeah, anyway, there's a bit of a Zaniolo chat. Um, what's next on my radar here? What have we got? We got one game left. One game the big left. one. The, the big, big one. one. All right, we'll get to this. Arsenal 3, Man United at the Emirates. I don't want to start with it because I don't want people just to listen to me talking about Arsenal. But Tommy, what have you got? Uh, should I talk about Arsenal? You can if you want. This was a good game. Like, mm. I just think above everything else, this was a really good game that, like, had that proper ebb and flow where one side was in control and then the other. I thought the Emirates was the perfect place for it because it created that. It was like a really... It was a cauldron, basically. They were loud. It was one of, yeah, it was one of the better uh, Premier League atmospheres I've heard. And uh, to get that late, you know, winner... Uh, the scenes were crazy and I thought it was nothing less than Arsenal deserved from the game. You think Arsenal well-deserving of their win? I think so. Okay. I just, I wonder with Man United, Mm. it just, if this kind of felt like an Oli redux, if like it doesn't, it didn't seem very Ten Hag for him to just kind of sit in and try and exploit the counter a little bit and, you know, can, Concede possession yeah. the way they I, did. They didn't. They didn't really create that many good chances. I thought. I was thinking about it yesterday, and I was. I think I was trying to be neutral and thought that a draw probably would have been a fair result. And then I watched it back again, and Arsenal just played much more better looking football, created mm-hmm. better looking chances, lots of corners. Um, yeah, I think in the end, probably deserving of their win. It would feel harsh to United, given that um, there was like a millimeter. <laughs> offside a few minutes before full time or a few minutes before the 90 ended. Um, and then to concede in like the 96th and 99th minute or something like that. Like um, I can see how they feel it's harsh, but this does bring me to no one's used it yet this week. Of course we brought in a few weeks ago, a therapy card for each member of the team to use whenever you felt you needed to get something off your chest. And right now I feel like I need to get something off my chest. So I'm going to play the chimes. For this week for my therapy, I need to tell you all that Man United are a bunch of fucking sooks. <laughs> Seriously, just shut up. Ten Hag, out in the media, whinging about every single decision. 
Bruno Fernandes this year saying he's going to sit in the change rooms and wait for the referee to come and apologize. Like he's, I think you said to me in a chat the other day, Tommy, that he has manifested a team of whingers here and Mm -hmm. it just keeps going. And every week, and you come out after a game like this where they were probably outplayed to come out and just whinge about every single minuscule decision and to call a, a VAR offside goal onside so blatantly, like it was just, it was so blatantly onside which is mm. false. Yeah, I just don't know how you can do that as a professional manager. And then to complain, was he complaining about a penalty when or a foul when Rice scored? Um, he was, yes. Yep. Uh, just the list goes on with these guys, and I'm so sick to death of it. Just worry about your own football at the moment. You guys have got so much to sort out, United. Shut the fuck up and get on with it. <laughs> here, here. I mean, the, the quote from Ten Hag post-game is, it's not offside, um, which obviously it was. And like... It was what tight, he's done, sure. It was tight, but what I think what he's done is detract from how clever Gabriel is in that moment to read the situation of the play and then to position his body in such a way that it triggers the VAR because, like, he kind of leaves his... He kind of moves all of his movable objects behind him. Yeah, I, th- I think he's still gotten lucky. He's done well, but he's gotten lucky. Mm, if he catches him offside, I don't think it's luck because he's meant it. Because that's exactly what he's tried to do. Yeah, and I, I loved it. I thought it was great. I really right. enjoyed watching Man United celebrate what they thought was a, a winner, and then only for it to be chalked off. And then concede the, a few minutes later. Yeah, that too. Uh, so for me, that's offside. Uh, wrong angle, he said. Which I mean, the VAR don't they don't work by angles. That's not how it is. <laughs> it's a computer. <laughs> man. Not, like it's, yeah, then, <laughs> it's 2023, looking, dude. Twenty twenty three at a small television and wondering, shit, is that it? Rewind it, rewind it. No, that's they, not how it works. They get up <laughs> off the seat and they they look at the screen from a step further to the right. That's what they do. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they adjust it. It's brilliant. Um, penalty on Hoyland is the is the one. Um, Cooper and I, I think we both said this wasn't a penalty and it's probably a good decision. My my question mark here with Ten Hag talking about this is. Do coaches, players, and the entire universe still not understand how VAR works? Is that they don't? They clearly this don't. was not given a penalty on the pitch, so it has to be a clear and obvious error to become a penalty, and it's not. And I feel like they were very fortunate that the habit, the foul on Havertz, or the non-foul on Havertz that resulted in an Arsenal penalty was overturned because that was given on the pitch. And I'm not really sure how that seemed to be a clear and obvious error enough to well, overturn I do. it. I do. 100%. No, I, I agree with Cooper, but I know what you're about to say. Yeah, I don't think it's a penalty at all to have it. Mm. That's, I think it's a blatant dive, hoping for contact and waiting for it. Um, Got the call right there. But I guess what the argument would come back to there, if we're playing devil's advocate, would just be that, you know, how often in the past has it not seemed like a clear and obvious area, but they've overturned it anyway, mm. you know, especially in, in relation to penalties that aren't given. Um. You know, they're not given and then we look at a replay and there's the most minuscule thing and then a penalty is given. I think that's happened a lot. So that would be the argument there. But at the end of the day, yeah, like they've got so many issues at the moment that I, I, it's not helpful. Or as people will fall on this, the Jose Mourinho thing was, oh, he's just, he's just dragging attention away from his players. It's not how it works. No one's that dumb anymore. No. We know that your players are are not playing well or certain players aren't playing well, the pressure's still going to be on them whether you're in the media whinging about decisions or not. 
Well, he can't. You can't. He can't even say that he's trying to protect his players because he hung Jaden Sancho out to dry before the game. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. My um, I think my biggest blight on Man United in this game is that, like you said, you talked about the way they set up, Sammy. I just felt like they came into this game and didn't try to win, and yeah. perhaps they didn't win because they didn't try to. Yeah. And and that does not seem like the the glorious Manchester United way of 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 Oldham of playing football. So like you said, maybe there's a few, you know, they might need to to look in their own mirror a few times before they start questioning the faults of others. Oh yeah. Any team yeah. that finishes the game with Maguire and Evans at center back, they it's all within guys. It's all within. It's the fault of no one else that you conceded twice after the 96th minute in this game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if we want to make any excuses, which I don't for United at the moment, I guess it's the uh, Mount Varane, uh, Diallo, uh, Malasia and Luke Shaw are all out injured at the moment. But I don't want to be too forgiving. They still had a team out there good enough to play better than they have been. Um, and like you said, the way they set up, um, that's all I've got, I think, for Premier League, unless you guys have got anything else. It's all for me. Yeah, I'm, really, I'm happy with that. I didn't really give Arsenal any praise there in the end, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Let's move on. Um I'm going to jump on just to a quick uh, European wrap, if you don't mind, guys. We'll start with the – let me get my calendar open here so I can go back a few days. Uh, the Friday morning – or Saturday morning, rather, Serie A, AC Milan away to Roma. This was huge in terms of uh, the table for the season. These games are always big between the big Italian clubs. Uh, Milan winning in Rome 2-1 is a huge result. Rafael Leal scored a cracker of a volley. Um after this is just after Lukaku ended up joining Roma, um, he came off the bench and didn't do anything. He had one opportunity and he and he skied it. Um, they scored a late goal to pull it back, but Milan got the points there. It's huge because um, Inter also won this weekend four 0 against Fiorentina. Tommy, your boy Lataro Martinez with a double again. He's wearing Get the armband there. for Inter. Inter are my pick to win the league. I don't want them to, obviously, um, but. They're my pick to win it, and they are yet to concede a goal in the three games so far. And they play uh, they play Milan in the derby after the international break, so that's going to be an absolute corker. Also, Saturday morning, uh, Borussia Dortmund doing everything they can to shit themselves out of a Bundesliga race already with a two-all draw at home to FC Heidenheim. I'll forgive you for not knowing who they are. They're newly promoted from Bundesliga two. They've come up. They were two 0 down within fifteen minutes and have ended up. Uh, getting a two-all draw in Dortmund. Uh, my mate Sebastian Haller, who I've teed off a few times on here, finds himself in a right-back position, giving away a penalty after he brought the ball down, didn't know he was being pressed by someone, and then knocked them over. Um, it was initially given, and then the penalty was overruled by VAR because the player was <laughs> offside. And then that decision was overruled by VAR because... The referee deemed that Haller was in control of the ball and therefore that player was now onside. And, oh. just, you know, just clear the fucking ball, man. How hard is it? <laughs> um, Tommy, you're like this. We mentioned Bayer Leverkusen the other week, uh, the last couple of weeks, because they they pumped Leverkusen and then they pumped someone else. And now they've won 5-1 uh, at home to Darmstadt. So Xabi Alonso has that team ticking really good. Either of you two or the listeners, if you get a chance to watch Bayer Leverkusen, do it. Um that's all I've got for Germany, I think. I think that's all I've got for everything. Juve had a good win again. Um, the big one, I guess, this week was 
Lazio, who have been absolutely horrendous so far this year, finally got up and away, but it was against uh, the champions, Napoli, in Naples as well. Uh, 2-1. Tommy, I believe you saw some of these highlights. Luis Alberto, nice little back heel. Oh, my God. What a goal. That's mm. filth. Mm. <laughs> Did you see all of the Napoli players just stop and look on in astonishment? Like, no yeah. way he's just done that to beat us. But, yeah, good bit of build-up. Um Good little finish, and Lazio finally has some points, and it's to the detriment of the champions, Napoli. Uh, the table going into the international break is Inter and Milan on top, the only two teams with full points so far. And then little old Lecce sit fourth behind Juve. So um, that's all I got. That's my wrap. Uh, Cooper, I don't know if you're still uh, pretending to care about Roma, but they are sitting 18th in relegation going into the break with one point from three games. Any thoughts on your 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 boys at the moment? It's not pretty. They need to sort out the front third. It looked like Belotti was going to be the guy this year. He scored two goals in a game early in the season. Hasn't scored since. Um, Lukaku's come in. I'm not sure how much effect they're hoping that he'll have, but it's it's not pretty all around at the moment. Mm, it's not. Um, last one in Germany, sorry. Lero Sane and Tell scored in a 2-1 win for Bayern Munich. No goals for Harry Kane this time. Tell. No. Who the hell is Tell? Yeah. Oh, I, I can't go into it right now. I don't have time. Um, 2-1 win for Bayern. Away to, away to Munchen Gladbach. Just keeps them ticking along, doing what they need to do. Um, I had another result here and I've lost it, but I'm sorry. I don't know if either of you wanted to mention the old firm. No. 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 Tragic. <laughs> terrible football. Just, Celtic go the win. Is- oh, I found it. It was Bellingham. Jude Bellingham scored again for Madrid. He scored a late winner. He's now scored in every every La Liga game so far. Um, what was his What yeah. was his name on his locker? Bell Bellingham. Instead yeah. of an N, there was an M. Bellingham. Bellingham. Yeah, it was such it was... a great juxtaposition between him trying to speak Spanish to his teammates and them not being able to spell his name. Yeah, it's the first time I've actually had a chance to sit down and watch Real this season. And aside from scoring goals, did he just took the piss? He it. Yeah, this is the worst comparison of all time. But it's like I don't know if you ever played pro clubs with friends back in the day, and you're that you get mm. forced to play centre mid because you don't everyone the front three spots are filled, and so every time you get the ball, you just hold it for 15 seconds, and genuinely nobody can tackle you. That is what watching this guy on a football pitch is like right now. He's doing little step overs, turning inside out. Dude, no one is anywhere near him. Not a he, single player is anywhere near this guy. He genuinely is a freak. And I don't think people quite appreciated the height, like, because he was playing for Dortmund, I guess, because he was playing in the Bundesliga. I think he's still going to get it from people that are going to say, oh, you know, he's playing in the, the La Liga. It's not the Premier League. Until people do things in the Premier League. We saw with Zobosly this week that, that um, oh, Liverpool found another one, as though this guy wasn't taking the piss for the last two years in a side that's finished top three in Germany. Like, come on, man. Uh, yeah, that's all I got. You guys got anything else? I'll, I'll just, I love the whole, the Bellingham. He could be a Bullen d'Or winner next season. Mm. Like if he keeps this kind of shit up, he looks like he is the world-class central midfielder. Um, and it's it lines up really well for La Liga too, for Real Madrid versus Barcelona with the, the amount of talent, the young talent they have coming through. Uh, it doesn't bode well for the rest of the league. It's always going to be a, a, you know, a two-tier <laughs> system over there. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting that if Bellingham was playing in this city side and doing what he's doing with Haaland, the way that we talked about Haaland, how he's just a freak, like an alien, you'd be saying, everyone would be saying the same thing about Bellingham. So. Well, good. I like it. We might leave it there. Another good week. Um, 
unfortunately an international break coming up, which kind of kills the vibe a bit. Uh, we'll probably check in next week and talk about some crap that's going on, no doubt. Um, hopefully England lose whoever they're playing against. I haven't checked. I just hope they lose. That's all I have. <laughs> Anything else, boys? Done? It's all from me. We're done. I just uh, One more question. One more question. Go on. Cooper's desperate to go watch basketball. Look at him. Let's go. Yeah, he's itching. He's already out of his seat. Uh, is the following headline the best you've ever heard in football history? Roy Keane headbutted at Emirates. Yes. We might just leave it there. Yes, it is. It's a great, it's a great headline. Have a good week, folks.